Hi there, this is Joanne Dennison, CMP, uh, welcoming you to another episode of Sit in the Attendees Chair. So glad to have you join us today, whether you're walking, running, driving, cooking, or maybe sitting out in the sun, uh, you know, listening. But either way, no matter what you're doing, so glad you took the time to jump on and, and give a listen. Today, uh, I, I have a great guest who I actually know pretty well who's here most of the time when we record these, and uh, that is Pauline. And uh, we, if you heard some of the past episodes, we talked about how Pauline was going to be gone for a month or so and how we were going to miss her, and when she came back, she was going to share with us about her trip. Um, and uh, to tell you a little bit uh for those of you who might not know, I met Pauline in the fall of 2019 when she was a student in the Boston University School of Hospitality Administration and chose to take the elective that I taught on meetings and events. And now um, we're thrilled to say she works with us and uh, we truly appreciate that. But Pauline um, is from France and even though she's lived over here about six years now mm -hmm. primarily, um, uh, she uh, she's going to share with us about um, uh, her trip home. I wanted to talk to her about like what travel was like, et cetera, et cetera. So Pauline, glad to have you here always, but even <laughs> more so today. So why don't you tell him your your name? And uh, I believe it's Choquet. Mm -hmm. Am I pretty accurate? Pauline Choquet. Yeah. Okay. I, it's never going to sound as good coming from me. I know that. And oh, before we forget him, also we have in the room. Steve the Great. So Steve's here too. And Steve we'll try to make sure he doesn't, you know, harass the two of us too much and he'll jump in. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So anyway, um, you left the first week of July. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, because you were going home for Bastille Day, among other things, yes, right? Yes. Why don't you tell them what Bastille Day is? So it's one of the main events of the revolution. Um, French Revolution. French people. Revolution, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, mainly when um, people who were leading the revolution raided the main prison in Paris to take all the weapons and, you know, go attack the government and monarchy and all that. So. In other words, pretty typical revolution yeah, story, yeah. you know, just different country, just, yeah, pretty much. Um, so would you say July 14th is your equivalent to our July 4th? Yes. Okay. It's a very big holiday. Uh, fireworks, usually everywhere, not so much for the past two years, but um, very big. People usually get the, well, almost everyone gets the day off unless they're in a, you know, touristy area for the summer. Then it's more business. So everybody stays open, but um, most people have it off. Very cool. Um, so she left the beginning of July when things were in uh, pretty good shape over here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, you know, most states had lifted most of their mandates in terms mm -hmm. of mask and where you could be, um, assuming you were vaccinated. Um, things were looking pretty bright and cheerful on that particular week. Uh, um, and then you came home the first, second week of August, I think uh, it was? Second, yeah. Second week of August. So what I'd like you to share, because a lot of us haven't been traveling and definitely not international. Um, let me talk about, well, first of all, obviously your passport is French, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I, I want to put that out there because obviously her experiences going into France could have been... Uh, slightly different than those of us carrying another country's passport. So tell us about the actual trip over there. Like, what did you find when you, you left out of Boston, mm -hmm. I assume, out of Logan? Um, and did you, were you able to fly directly? Yes, I flew directly. To Paris? Mm-hmm. To Paris, okay. And what airline, out of curiosity? Air France. Air France, okay. What, so air <coughs> what airport did you land at? Uh, Charles de Gaulle. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah right. Or as we would say, Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> um, <laughs> because really? we can... Is that what she said? Say that again. Charles de Gaulle. Okay. Yeah. That's why I thought I'd like make sure they knew that's what we would call it in, hmm. in American English. Um, so what was it like at Logan when you got there? What did you find different? I mean, I know you had flown home I guess over Christmas and everything yes so what did you see different compared to Christmas compared to two years mm -hmm. ago tell tell us what you saw 
Well, I'll say very empty. Um, really? Yes. So I remember flying, I think I flew three times since COVID. First was like in March of 2020. Um, that was pretty empty because, you know, it was when warnings were out. I went home for spring break and then ended up getting staying in France for six months. Um, and then flew over Christmas, which was surprisingly busy, Christmas of 2020. I'm assuming it's because of all the students were going home. It, it was a very young population in the airport. Of it looked like a lot of students going home for Christmas and holidays. And then I was expecting kind of that for July, but it was just dead. There was like really three flights after me. That's it. After mine, which is at 5 p.m. So, you know, when you're in front of the TV looking at all the flights, usually there's like a full TV of it yeah. around yeah. 5 p.m. <laughs> there's still enough coming out. There's only three flights. Um, all of the duty-free were closed. Most restaurants inside the um, terminal were closed other than like Starbucks and I think. Yeah, um, I think most of them are only allowed to have like the walk-ups. They're not yeah. able to have any of the sit-downs open. I know a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And that was true in July mm -hmm. when we were at our, quote, best maybe. And it was still like that. Wow. So I mean in March when you went for spring break and you ended up staying longer than you could. A year and a half ago. A year and a half. Oh, but that wasn't because you couldn't come back because of COVID? Yeah. Oh, it was because yeah, of that. Yeah, it was yeah. because of that. So you ended up spending six months. But you were in school then? Yeah. Okay. That's when everything was transitioning online and all okay. that. Okay. Well, and you postponed your graduation. Mm. Right? I did, yes. Because um, you couldn't do an internship in the... No, your classes were supposed to be 2020. Your internship was supposed to be the fall. The summer of 2020. Yeah. So, you know, everything was kind of closed. So <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of room for anything. Yeah. So we did our internships in the fall instead. Okay. Um, which, even then, some of us weren't even able to come back. Um, I know a student who was in Taiwan, she wasn't allowed to come back in until... Like November or something like that. Oh, um, in our class? Mm -hmm. Yeah, her and her husband got back over. I remember what she mm -hmm. messaged me when she got back over. Yeah. Crazy time. Crazy time. So still, first week of July, when we were at some of our best yeah, health-wise and optimism-wise, it was that empty. Yes. I, I, I was surprised. Honestly, I was surprised because that's the emptiest I've seen it. It's kind of scary, know. isn't it? A little bit. Like, what am I doing here? Mm. <laughs> Why isn't there anyone else here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I crazy for going home? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what what it was feeling like. But, but the flight to Paris was full. Um, mostly French people going home for the summer. Um, and probably people being very polite because they were French. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have anyone standing up slugging flight attendants or... Uh, you know, any other horrible actions that we're seeing? No, but I also never had that in general. Yeah, again, so. Air France. That's <laughs> one of the reasons I asked what airline it was. Um, yeah, I really haven't seen any stories except on American Airlines by primarily Americans of the ugliness. Mm, kind of sad. So, okay, so now did they feed you? Yes, they did. Um, it's slightly different. Um, everything comes in prepackaged meals. Um, which usually Air France like opens the trays for you and everything. Um, yeah. They like to do fancy service. Um, they don't, you know, a lot of the time they'll come with like bottles of water and give you water throughout the flight and all that. They don't do that as much, so they really try to not have the crew travel as much. Also ask you to not travel, you know, go to the bathroom every five minutes or... Scratch your legs walking up and down the aisle. and You can't really do that. Um, I mean, you can't. They're, they're not going to. Is that about an eight-hour flight? Uh, five and a half. Oh. Yeah. Oh, heck. It, it was close. quick. We had a lot of wind, apparently, so it was even faster <laughs> than what it usually is. Well, yeah. and you probably were able to take off from the runways faster because there were less flights. Mm -hmm. I know that has, has had a huge um impact on time now you all were required to leave uh, wear your mask obviously leaving the u.s were you allowed to did you keep them on the whole flight did everyone yes you have to keep it on the whole flight okay um unless you know when they serve your meal um they serve alcohol they do okay yeah they still do <laughs> well some of the american airlines have uh, excuse me some of the united states airlines i don't want it to be mm -hmm. confused with american airlines some of the united states airlines have started serving alcohol again and a lot of them haven't because of 
the problems that have been going on. So would you feel, uh, uh, I mean, overall, it was a good flight. Yeah. I mean, the main probably difference would have been the mask. It's, it's really the only thing um, that was different. Um, is it annoying to wear a mask for five and a half hours on a flight? You know, when you already get pretty dehydrated? Yeah. But it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not the end of the world. Yep. It keeps everybody safe, so. Yep. Yep. Nope. Totally, totally understand. And it sounds like everyone was very compliant, too. Yeah. Um, again, can't help to but think it part of it was culture. Mm-hmm. Which um. also, um, Air France are required to wear a surgical mask. Um, the Instead of the cloth ones. Washable ones. Yeah, you're not allowed to wear them. And if you don't have one, they'll give you one when you enter the... I noticed that a, a couple of the airlines are doing that. No more. Actually, there's apparently a lot of places now going to no no cloth masks. Mm-hmm. You have to wear, yeah, some version of surgical or the N95s or whatever they are. So that's interesting. So what happened when you got to the airport in Paris? Um, well, customs are different. It used to be that there's lines depending on um, what type of passport you have. Um, so there's a priority line for French passport, there's one for European passports, and there's one for everywhere else. Um, oh, okay, so there's like a line for anyone else in the EU, anyone who owns a passport mm-hmm. from any other EU country. That's interesting. But since, well, not since COVID, because that's how it, it was still like this until like a few months ago, but they changed the rules for travel um, back in June, and they divided countries in three um levels of you know covid red yellow green mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's red yellow green so that's how you were divided and that depends oh. on where you're coming from not necessarily where your passport is from so i was in the same line as a, a canadian person american person um interesting but i could see why they would do that that's actually good thinking i'm sure yeah because depending on the which country you come from the health requirements are different so um for which they didn't actually ask for my vaccination status when I arrived in France. They asked all that before you take off, which I thought was kind of weird. But No, because apparently that's what they're doing. They don't want to get you on the plane. So yeah. let's back up to that. I forgot to ask that. So tell me, when you booked your flight, did you have to do anything to show your vaccine status? Um, or before you even got to the airport, did you have to show anything? No. Okay, so when you got to the airport, what did you have to do? Well, you have to go to the check-in luggage area. Okay. They don't give Can't you. Can't do the online pass. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. They don't do it anymore. They did it for me, but they didn't do it for Kyle. My boyfriend has an American passport, and I'm not sure why. We're still trying to figure that out. Maybe that's exactly why, though. Yeah, maybe because they don't want you know they want French people to be able to go home no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know, but um, I had to drop off luggage anyway. So that's when they asked my for my vaccination card or a negative test of less than seventy two hours. Now, you g- had your vaccines when you were in France, right? No, I had it done here in the U.S. You did have it done here. And because different countries have different vaccines, is that an issue? It is. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of that the other night. Like I was like, huh, I wonder yeah. how that works. Um, vaccines in France are mostly Moderna, um, Pfizer, and AstraZeneca, which I don't know if we have in the U.S. It's, it's been it's pending it's approval. I don't think yeah. it, it ha- it's gone through yet. So I made sure to take Moderna because that was the first one that was approved in France. Um, but, for example, there's people who live um, in China and Russia. I know it's a big issue because their vaccines are not Right. The one Chinese the one has yet. been real. Yeah. So there's... Um, so French they may consider you not vaccinated. Exactly. If you so France has, and I'm assuming other countries, has recognized vaccines. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It matters which vaccines which you have and does it, it meet them. So that was, that was okay. So you had to show proof or a test, which obviously you had a card or something mm-hmm. or a picture of a card or something. Yeah. Okay. The CDC card works for that. Um, I also did the test just in case. I don't want to travel if I'm sick. <laughs> now, out of curiosity, so I read one of the things I wanted to bring up later was this whole EU, um, what do they call it? The health pass. The digital EU digital yes. COVID certificate. So IATA, the International Association of Travel, ugh, I always screw it up. 
um, what it is. They came out the other day and said that um, the EU digital COVID certificate should be the model for the rest of the world. That it's it's that's good. It solves all you know all the problems, et cetera, et cetera. Are even though you had it done over here, can you? get an EU digital certificate? You can now. Um, they launched all Since that. Since you're, a, uh, you know, that's your nationality. They took a while to get that out. That was in August. So the first few weeks I was there, I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. um, but they finally made some kind of tool where you can send your CDC card in and then they'll send it to you within 72 hours. Oh, okay. Um, so that was originally for French people and then a few weeks later they finally launched it for any person um, who's traveling to France. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so an American, if they have it, can get an EU digital COVID certificate. Mm -hmm. You have to... Oh, that's interesting. Travel to France within the next month. Mm -hmm. They don't really... No, if you're not planning on traveling to France, you can't get it yet, just right. because they have so many right. Understandable. Uh, requests. Um, you need to attach your passport, your vaccination card, your plane ticket, and then they'll send it to you within a few days. Wow, yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, and I wonder, have you been able to use that as proof here? Or do you still have show your CDC card? I haven't been or asked pictures. here. Yeah, not yet. Um, not yet. Oh, boy. I have my CDC card saved on my phone. I have... The French one also saved. Yeah. The good thing is the um, French one is digital, so it's saved on my computer, and I can print it out as much as I want. It's not just a random scan of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if I lose it, if I lose my CDC card, it's not the end of the world, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting. I was talking with someone the other day because I was shocked when, you know, we got our vaccines. Um, and for those of you who are listening, yes, Steve and I both got our vaccines. Steve the Great. Uh, in the spring, um, and we do plan on getting the booster, uh, which sounds like it will be recommended. Um, but I was surprised that we got, like, this mm -hmm. card. I was like, okay, uh, right away my first thought is people are going to, you know, figure out how – it's not that hard to make a copy of that. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, how did the U.S. not think about an electronic version when we have electronic – and I was talking with someone the other day, and I think it this is what hit me. Because I just kept thinking, and then when all the what's it, forgeries were coming mm -hmm. out, I'm like, <clears throat> no kidding. Uh, yeah. Like, why is this a shock? But I was talking to someone the other day because I kept thinking, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do it in the spring? With You know, they definitely could have made some kind of electronic thing for us to do. And this is what hit me, at least in this country. I cannot speak for any other country, is my gut feeling is last December, January, February, March, April – it never dawned on anyone it would be an issue. We got the gift of the vaccines, and yes, I'm sorry for those of you who disagree with me, that's fine. Um, is is We got the gift. Everyone assumed everyone or primarily okay. everyone would get it without question, so why would we need a card? You know, like, why would this even become a big mm -hmm. deal? No one, I don't think, ever could have envisioned that we would be to the point now where it's a lot, and I want to talk about this in, in France, where places now, certain places in the United States, you are having to show it to go into a restaurant or to the theater or to the, you know, no one, it wasn't, it was just like, we won't need it. Everyone will be vaccinated and we will finally be on the other side of this. And the thought that we would restrict people of going into things because of the vaccine would never bid on our head because we never would have thought that many people wouldn't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's where the U.S., uh, my gut says that's kind of what happened here. Hopefully, you know, now that some countries have one that works, that it'll get done. So anyway, <laughs> so that's, but that's cool because I was thinking about that with your vaccines. But that's interesting that I bet a lot of the French residents uh, were we're not happy that they had to be lumped into a line with anyone else. Um, or maybe they're too polite to complain. But, you know, as opposed yeah. to having just a French yeah. line, you know. <laughs> like, I'm thinking from the American standpoint, I think. Um, so, okay, so you got through customs. Was there anything in particular they were looking or just, you know, the normal routine? No, nothing. I mean, it's all the airline. Do, were all that. they doing temperature checks or because you had the stuff? Uh, no? No. Cool. Um, again, I'm coming from a green country, so I don't know what it's like if you're coming from countries where 
COVID wasn't as, you know, Well, controlled. and this is it, the last week. Of course, the EU now has put yeah. the U.S. on. You might have a whole other experience if you flew over there today, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens by December when you go home mm -hmm. for the holidays, right? Mm. Okay, so you so um, you live in an immediate Paris suburb. Mm -hmm. um, so anything you saw different when you got there? Uh, I know you spent two different places, your time two different places in France primarily. Um, so tell us about when you were in the greater Paris area. What did you see? What did you hear? Um, and of course, one of the questions I have is, not that long after you were there was when the protests started mm -hmm. um, because they were requiring the proof of yeah. vaccine to get into things. So talk about your time in the Paris area. It was busy, busier than I was expecting it to be. Um, I think, you know, we had a lot of lockdowns in France. Um, there's been three lockdowns so far. Mm. They're hoping that with the whole health pass and vaccination rates going up, we won't have a fourth one. Um, lots of people were out. Everybody was dining out, um, you know, hanging outside with friends and all that. So it kind of felt like, I don't want to say like the Paris pre-COVID, because obviously everybody's still wearing masks. Right. And, you know, there's... But there was some sense of normalcy, like hope that mm -hmm. we were getting there. Yeah. You said Definitely. something about... Um, vaccines going up so i guess my first question is any idea midsummer what percentage of the population in france i think they reached about 65 percent um in august and does that include similar to the united states 12 and older um not Are yet not yet it they're not making it mandatory for them yet um until end of and september older. okay just because they were the last ones to be Authorized to get the authorized to get the vaccine, so um, you know they didn't want to make it mandatory for them when they only had mm -hmm. two weeks to get it, type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it is becoming mandatory for uh, twelve to seventeen years old soon too. So is it actually mandatory? Well, yeah, there's that. There's that word. I shouldn't say that. It's not technically mandatory. Um, the government would be very mad at me if I say that. Um, but heavily suggested, recommended. Let's say if you want to go out to dinner anytime soon if you want to go to the movies anytime soon a concert anything where there's other people around you you will need it um and that's their way of getting around making it mandatory yeah. then you do have a choice and we're seeing that more and more here you in do. the united states yeah. too that you have to show proof of at least one vaccine yeah um because they figure if you get one you will go back and get the second one or we won't make it mandatory but if you want to go do all these fun mm -hmm. things that you want to do and some people are deciding to give up on that. Um, you know, I, I guess it's just, what do you want to do yep. next? How do you want to live your life? Yeah. And it's your that's your choice, is mm -hmm. how do you want to live your life? Yeah. Um, there are some restrictions for certain jobs where you need to have it. Um, so anything related to healthcare, mm -hmm. you need to be vaccinated They're mandating now. it, okay. Um, if you work in a restaurant, you need to have a vaccine too. Anywhere, basically, where you're coming in contact with people a lot stores um, also that's a bit of a gray area uh i think it depends on what type of stores and what role you probably mm -hmm. play in the store like mm -hmm. if, in, if you're in the back you may not have yeah to so for example in restaurants um servers have to be vaccinated mm -hmm. but in the kitchen you don't have to be vaccinated because you're not coming in contact with mm. people that much you're coming in contact with their food so i don't really understand that but that's and you know yeah. I honestly don't know if if it's does it have a life on food. I don't know that. There's one I haven't thought about. You know, I know it's airborne and everything, yeah. is it, and I know about surfaces, but never thought about food. That's I mean, there's so much you know s food safety restrictions already. Yeah, um, it's not the first virus we saw. Um, you know, you can have the flu and still work in a kitchen. Yeah, That's true. So I think they just go based off of that. But yeah. So if people. So if whether you're a French citizen or a French resident with, you know, some of the same rights and abilities or you are a guest over there, if you want to go, my understanding is if you want to go into pretty much any museum now, mm -hmm. art galleries, mm -hmm. uh, theaters, mm -hmm. restaurants, 
And that's what the protests, they were probably, to me, one of the first countries that I saw starting to do that. Yeah. Now, again, we're talking almost two months ago now when all that was going on, mm -hmm. when it first started. So the protest, of course, on the American news, you would have thought the whole city of Paris, as I told you, down. was, yeah, it was Bastille Day again or something. <laughs> um, but I've learned that, you know, news probably in any country gives you certain filters. So... What would you say the protest, wa was the standard person in any danger? How big were the protests? Were they just in isolated areas? Um, so it was mostly in big cities. Um, this is now the, I think, eighth week of protests, last week, and it was. Oh, so they're still going on. They are still going on. A um, little less violent? Because some of the first few days were pretty violent. Yes, less violent overall. And... I think what you were saying, um, we talked about that earlier. Um, in France, I don't think it seemed as violent. You know, the news channels weren't. I think in America, it's just like there's always, you know, if the city is, g if there's protests in France, I feel like it's always portrayed as, you know, there's fire everywhere and all this. It is for every city, yeah, is what yeah. I've determined. It didn't seem as bad being in France. Uh huh. Watching the news over the month, I was home. Um, Obviously, you know, every time there's a protest, there is going to be some violence. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the problem in France is people who aren't necessarily coming for, like, their convictions or just coming to create a mess and mm -hmm. protest. As that's many protests. Yeah, that's that's very common. Um, it didn't seem as violent to me watching the news in France than when I watched everything from abroad. Okay. Okay. So still protest, and mm -hmm. again, because of all these restrictions, you can't go anywhere unless yeah. you have the vaccine. Well, one thing I should mention is you need the health pass, which you can also get tested. Um, you know, if you test negative, you'll have a pass for 72 hours. Okay. So technically, you can bypass that by getting tested every 72 hours if you want to. Um, that's what I had to do the first few weeks when they hadn't figured out the whole um transferring my cdc card over to the french system mm. i got tested like five times <laughs> wasn't great but <laughs> um you can bypass it um the tests for now are still free but they are going to uh start making them you know you're gonna have to start paying for them starting mid-september and of course i don't know if you've seen that over here in the united states a lot of that is happening too and some of the mm -hmm. workplaces that are giving people the option of being vaccine or tested are not going to pay for the test yeah along with some of them are now increasing their health insurance um oh yes, figuring the person will be uh boy i'm glad i turned the bluetooth off a minute ago um so okay so you were able to go and do some fun things in paris and mm -hmm. you know somewhat feel like it was yeah. home and pleasant and fun you went to restaurants obviously and yes. i don't know if you do museums since you've seen them all probably but uh, still do <laughs> still do <laughs> yeah. yeah something to see um so then you headed off to the coast yes in Brittany, which is in the west part of france um everything seems normal there too you said, did you take the train? You said that um, it's a two-hour train, or did you all drive? We drove. You drove, okay. Yeah, we drove. I don't think we took the train at all while I was there. No. Okay. Okay. So you drove out, and anything different out there? or? Not really. Um, I'll say maybe less mask wearing. Mm -hmm. I think just because Paris, for... Basically, since the beginning of, well, not the beginning of COVID, the summer after COVID started, um, masks have been mandatory outside in the city pretty much the whole time. Okay. And some of the cities have done that here yeah. at Times New York and mm -hmm. Boston had it and everything for a while, yeah. And I think in Brittany, they took off some mask mandates, you know, when it was low tourist season. Mm -hmm. um, they brought it back over the summer, but, you know, people coming from all parts of France don't necessarily know about all the mandates. Honestly, it's kind of hard to find them. Um, it's not like there's, you know, when you're entering the town, they don't have a huge sign saying you have to wear your mask. Mm. But I mean, it's not that hard. You can you can guess. If there's a lot of people around you, you probably should wear your mask. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's... Are cases going up there because of the Delta variant and everything? Yeah. Okay, so you all are going through the same thing. 
Um, I thought that mainland was is doing better than all the French islands. We know that in the French islands they're really struggling because they don't have enough hospitals or um define French islands. So there's a few islands that are very far from France, like Guadeloupe and all that is like a eleven hour flight type of thing. Okay. We have some in the Caribbeans as well. Mm-hmm. Um so they've been struggling a lot with COVID. The cases have gone up a lot, a lot. And the problem is they don't necessarily have the resources resources as much as, you know, in, in France, mainland, if you are in a town where there's no hospital available, they'll put you on an ambulance and drive you two hours to the next hospital where they have all the staff and everything they need. There they've been having issues with that because they just can't drive you for two hours and find another right. hospital. Well, and a lot of the islands opened back up to people because they needed people to come visit to and keep that the too. economy. Mm-hmm. And your insurance in France, is it government? Yeah. Okay, so government, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when it's government medical care? What, uh, what's the word Subsidized or social? No, 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 no. Social that health? Word? No. Um, uh, there's a word anyway, but so it's similar to like what we know Canada has and mm-hmm. and the UK mm-hmm. and okay, um, okay, so yeah, but the islands, mm, yeah, they, I, th- yeah, you're right. You know, you'd almost think they'd be more protected, but they were some of the first ones eventually to open up, and people flew down, and they here we go so again. Much on tourism that yep, you know, you want to reopen as much as you can, but. Kind of may set you back for another mm-hmm. year, absolutely. So, they've been sending um, military boats to build you know field hospitals on boats, or really, all yeah. Okay, have they actually sent any of the ho- well? I guess a hospital boat would be too big for an island needing, um, because most of those hospital boats, military boats, are huge, mm-hmm. so that would be too big, but okay. So, oh, that's they're very flying extra stuff and all that. It's a it's a lot, um, you know, there's a long history of those islands not really feeling like they're part of France. So I think right now they're trying to help as much as they can, but it's it's tough when you have, you know, when we're that far away from the country. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, we even go through that with Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and Guam and some of ours. I mean, Puerto Rico is close, and many would say we haven't done a really good job, not just through COVID, but some other things taking care of them, much less the ones in the South Pacific mm-hmm. and we have some pretty random islands, some pretty random places. Apparently lovely, but <laughs> most people would have no idea that they had anything to do with the U.S. Uh, so I, c- I can understand that. So, okay, so things were pretty nice there, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, casual. Pretty normal, um, other than, you know, the mask wearing. Um, until, we, until we finally had to show the pass, uh, which that started... August 9th, if I remember correctly. And then you had um. to start showing it everywhere? Mm-hmm. Okay. They did have the first week, you know, a lot of places didn't ask for it because the government said, we'll give you some time to figure out How to do operations this. and you all know? this. Um, so the first week, really, no one asked. They didn't even bother because mm-hmm. they knew <laughs> they were not going to get fined. But uh, eventually, you did have to show it. That would have been the very end of your stay there, though, too. Pretty much uh, right. yeah. last week or mm-hmm. whatever. So, Kyle, mm-hmm. American citizen, mm-hmm. went over about four weeks after you'd been over. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I'm sure he's told you some, at least, about his experiences, airport, flights, etc. Anything different by the time he went, or possibly because he has a U.S. passport? Although it sounds like the lines, I don't know. What uh, anything you pick up different? Apparently not that much. No, okay. not very different. Um, airport was still empty. Airport was still empty. Uh, they still asked for the CDC card before boarding. Um, we did. We both had to file something on the plane, uh, like a contract contact tracing form saying mm-hmm. where we were going to be in the next ten days. Give us phone numbers where we can reach you and all that. So we both had to do that. He went through the same custom line I did in the green area. Um, very similar. Yeah, if he'd flown even two weeks later, it would have been with the yeah. yeah, with the change in our mm-hmm. status with them and everything. And you all's trip back. 
good. Um, yes. Uh, let me think of how we. Yeah, it was it was fine. We also. When did we show our card for this? I think when we boarded the plane on that one. And again, Air France. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me, people. Um, and how about when you got to the U.S.? I had to come back in. So before um, boarding, they we had to file a um, U.S. paper um, that they collected for us saying, um, it's like a s sworn statement saying that we had been vaccinated um, and, I assume and they had, had a your test. And they had uploaded again the card? Um, no, nothing is digital. It's just like a random showing of your card when you go but i would think they would have had it attached to your travel itinerary since you flew the same airline possibly possibly so once you put it on it's kind of like you know global entry mm -hmm. and all those things yeah. um you know it's attached to you forever yeah. and uh, at least in that um that airline or something so you got over here and no big deal nothing logan's still empty logan's still empty yep <laughs> nope no line at the cab, if you want to know. It's super quick to get back. <laughs> you know, when you said that about the airport being empty, um, some of you know that when when the pandemic was declared, Steve and I were actually on a cruise in the Caribbean. And, um, you know, you're not really paying a whole lot of attention to news. Obviously, we knew that COVID existed and, you know, everything like that. But... Um, and our cruise uh, actually ended up being extended by two days because Puerto Rico decided not to let us get off there, so we had to hightail it up to Fort Lauderdale. But the day we flew back from Florida to Boston, um, the Fort Lauderdale airport was quite busy, uh, probably because all the cruise ships were trying to dump people off. Plus, we happened to come back in the middle of spring break, mm -hmm. so a lot of the students were – you know, parents have said, you're coming back now. You know, they've been down there three, four days, and they're like, nope, you're coming back now. So it was very busy. But we connected in Newark, and that was when it kind of really began to hit me. Because Newark, like you said, all those food areas were chained up, and all the mm -hmm. everything was dark. And we were there probably around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Newark used to be my home airport. And my first reaction was, oh, my God, what happened? Like 9-11 mm -hmm. had happened again or something. And it was just that for me was the real moment where something's really wrong if this airport is this empty. And then uh, we flew up to Logan. And when I got off, and it was only like 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night, which, you know, Logan would normally be like packed, mm -hmm. you know. And it was just like getting off. And we we were just like, what has happened? Because we were still somewhat in the dark, you know, as to it all. Um, but airports empty is not something. I mean, we've seen some smaller ones empty over the years. I forget the one we took pictures of that it was very weird. We were like the only people in a 12-gate airport. I can't remember where that was. I think it was Fort Wayne or something. It was crazy um, and terrifying, to be perfectly honest. And we just didn't have any flights. So, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, so, you know, talking to your family, has anything much changed since you left? You've been back about two weeks, I mm -hmm. believe now. Anything much changed? Not much has changed yet. Um, vaccines keep going up. Vaccination rates keep going up. So are people working from home over there if they have like that type of jobs? I think less than in the U S. Um, okay. There's a big cultural thing in France that you have to be at work for, you know, certain hours if really even if you're not working, you have to be there. Mm -hmm. um, Which was the US up until two years ago. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's seen, if you leave work late, even if you're not doing that much, not being that productive is seen as better than, you know, if you're yep, going home when you're done. That's how the US has been for probably 20, 30 yeah. years, you know. So... Come in early, leave late, even if you're not doing anything. <laughs> so uh, people are back in person a lot. Um, Mask in the office, probably. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it can depend on the... Well, I'm not sure actually about that one. 
I think they might have removed it if you're vaccinated type of thing, or it can depend on the place. Um, okay. But I know all my family's offices, they keep their mask in for now. Um, unless you're in your own private office, then you're allowed to take it off. But okay. the general policy seems to be you should keep it. Any common area mm-hmm. you need to do it. So, you know, I've been watching um, what's going on with meetings and events around the area, uh, you know, around the world. And, and what do you know about in France? Like, did they have any, I'm assuming there's big festivals that are mm-hmm. held and just like everywhere else in the summer and everything. Are they holding them? Are they postponing them, canceling them? A lot of them have been canceled for the summer mm-hmm. um, and early fall just because the new guidelines came in so l- late. Um, since the health pass was organized and mandatory, well, not mandatory, strongly encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, so since mid-August, they pretty much removed all of the caps on um, the amount of attendees you can have. Outside or inside? Both. Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can have a 3,000 person inside event. If you require the the pass, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a, I had to look it up yesterday, honestly, because. Well, it changes daily, so it don't feel yeah. bad. Don't, <laughs> uh, like people like reach out to me about things in the United yeah. States. And I'm like, first of all, every state is different. So start there, you know, so. So there is, um, if you're in a, you know, private house and you want to have a huge family gathering with hundreds of people you can you don't need to you know you don't need to ask proof of vaccination or negative test but if it's anywhere in like a public venue that has been rented or um a hotel a a castle uh, castle, um you know a town hall museum actually town hall no i'll talk about that in a minute um all that you need to have um, the team of the owner of the venue to check for the health passes, okay. and the venue is responsible for that. So wow, yeah, not th- not oh wow, that's not a the big that's yeah. big difference in the United yeah. States where it's like the meeting and event planners who are responsible for checking all that, and that's because not everyone is allowed to ask for your pass. That's you know, I can't just go to someone, um, say, "Okay, you're coming to my birthday. You need to show me your pass." You can't. You can't just do that. So it needs to be someone who is allowed to ask for it, which anyone who's affiliated to a venue is allowed to ask for it, but not the planner hmm. itself. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm sure many planners listening to this are like, "Ah, oh, I wish they'd do that over here, so mm-hmm. I didn't have to be responsible." And all the venues are going, "Oh, thank goodness, that's not us." Yeah. And then there are two exceptions of venues we are not required to ask a pass um, is town halls and any uh, worship area, so churches and temples and all that. They're not allowed, they don't have to require it or they're not allowed to ask or both? I don't know if they're not allowed to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, But they can't require it. I don't think they can. Town hall, I can see any kind of government building where you might have to do business yeah and um place of worship i'm not sure it's something about the constitution that makes it that you can't prohibit people from entering this place separation of church mm-hmm. and state probably yeah. church and government mm, um, interesting so you know religious weddings you can have as many people as you want you don't need to require it or and actually the minimum um you know for places like private venues if you have less than 50 attendees, you don't need to require it either. What about things like, <laughs> here we go. I'm always willing to show my ignorance. Um, I need to travel more, which is the goal. Um, so sports over here, mm-hmm. obviously this has been a big issue and the state to state has changed. So your big outdoor sports over there, I assume, would be football, soccer, mm-hmm. European, what you, uh, what we call soccer, what you call football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what about those stadiums? Same thing. They have to show proof. Yes. Or is soccer season over? I'm sorry. Or is football season over? Don't know yourself. Okay. I am not a big. I don't think it's over. No, I don't think. I, it's I over. don't think it is I, either. I don't think it is. I'm not sure. I've never figured out it when it's ever over. It seems like someone's always doing something. Yeah. You know, it's like, and here's this, and here's this, and it's like, they must play 12 months a year. 
which is fine. Uh, there's probably indoor and outdoor or something like that. What are other outdoor sports that would be in large arenas? Uh, tennis is pretty big in France. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the French um, Open. Rugby. Did they require them for the French Open? Uh, the French Open did not have attendees. It was one of the ones that didn't. Okay. Because it was back in... June? I never know. It's yeah, I think it's early June, which was right out of another lockdown. So. And that was right... It, yeah, because it was a couple of weeks before the Olympics mm-hmm. um, and everything. Okay, so no... Well, that took care of that, didn't mm-hmm. it? Um, and what were the others you said are big? Rugby. Okay. Which I don't know when you're conceiving either. Okay. I'm not big on sports. Yeah, no, I hear you. And what about indoor sports? So as we go indoor, I mean... What, what indoor sports? You um, don't do basketball, really. We do not a little bit. Yeah, uh. but not just going to be bringing <laughs> fifteen thousand people in. Probably, I'm guessing. Um, Handball is pretty big. What is? Probably don't do a whole lot of baseball. Some. But no mm. baseball. Baseball. Non-existent. Yeah, no. That, no. <laughs> no. Okay. No one um, knows what that is. No, I'm okay. kidding. People what know about, what it is. People don't understand cricket? it. Cricket. It's oh, cricket. Oh, no. no. I don't think so. No, no. Lacrosse. No. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think of what else would be inside. Uh, I'm thinking over here it's hockey, basketball. Worldwide Wrestling Federation. I don't think so in <laughs> France. I'm really thinking no. So maybe not a lot of indoor winter sports where you all are going to have to worry about this, really. Probably not. Um, and I'm assuming if. We do, then they'll do the same type of thing as festivals and concerts and yep. trade shows. Yeah, because the concerts that. are probably who are in a lot of those. Okay. Uh-huh. So, um, so we're giving you all things to think about in terms of, and some of you may be looking ahead to planning meetings in France, or some of you may have even had some on the books for the six next six months, which will be interesting when a lot of your people may not even be able to get there, but. We'll talk about that at some point. So, but one of the conversations we had before we got on to record um, that I really think that meeting and event planners need to know, uh, we were discussing vacation. And I was saying how yesterday I had just read, you know, something where they were saying, you know, uh, some European said their friend was so excited because they'd gotten 10 days vacation for their new job. And they're like, 10 days, we get 5.6 weeks. And... Pauline was telling us about vacation in Europe, and, and well, I'll let her tell that, and then I'll tell you why I think it pertains to you. So go ahead. So in France, it's pretty common that people get five weeks plus holidays, um, which a lot of holidays in France happen in May. There was like four around that time. What? Y- do you all do May Day? Uh, May 1st. Yeah, May uh, Day. That's our, um, what do you call it? That's our Labor Day. Okay. Type of day. Um, May 8th. Is? Um, Something. Uh-huh. That you get Something a day historical off. historical about a war. <laughs> don't ask me which. <laughs> I really should know that. I just know I don't have a school. Oh, I want to say it's um, probably. Um, I think it's World War One. You know. Yeah, what, end of one of the big battles. Um, Steve, look at May 8th in France. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll bet on the end of World War One, but. Could be either one. It could be either one. Um. And then we have um, the Ascension. No, je dis l'Ascension. Yeah, like a, a Thursday of the Ascension, which it, it depends on the year, but okay. um, it's usually around May. So and that's yeah. a Christian holiday, I assume. Yes, yeah. we do Christian holidays. Is that France. the official religion? Does France have an official religion? No, technically not, because yeah. church and state. But, but it's, get a, it's, it's given off. Mm-hmm, it's oh, given I guess off. like Christmas. May the 8th is a victory day. marks the formal acceptance by the Allies of Nazi Germany's surrender in 1945, ending World War II in Europe. Okay, well, okay. that was close. Very enough. good. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's one of the world wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm surprised that it's not more talked about in the U.S. Well, we talk about, it's that the one, <coughs> no, that wouldn't be what we call because we have VJ Day and V. Well, anyway, hopefully yeah, there's, there's no historian listening to. No, this the sad thing is, I am a U.S. history, American studies major, and that is sad. I never. Well, I never did do well on wars. I think that probably says a lot about my culture. Anything else? How people were living at home during the wars? That I'm good on. <laughs> wars themselves, not so good. Uh, tend to have a want to shy shy away from them a lot. Um, 
so okay so may has a lot of holidays mm -hmm. good to know um but then what happens over the next couple months then there's summer break where a lot of people will take two weeks um or three depending on how much they can take but um basically offices between the first between Bastille day and august 15th which is also a holiday um <laughs> <laughs> so July 14th to August 15th, we're talking here. Uh, not a lot of people work. Not a lot of offices are open, um, which means not a lot of stores are open in more residential areas. Um, restaurants. Yeah. Restaurants also. And when you say closed. stores, you're not talking about clothing stores or department stores. Y you said even like the local... The your local butcher shop will be closed. The the bakery across from my house was closed. <laughs> I know, right? That's the bakery closed. <laughs> yeah. Now we know she, why she lives in a building with flour in the basement, <laughs> right? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, flour is F L O U R is a a big bakery, Joanne Chan's bakery in Boston, and there's one in the building. That that's it. You you picked your apartment by Maybe. the bakery. That <laughs> probably helped a lot. Um, I don't blame you. <laughs> Been to that one, exact mm -hmm. one, a number of times. Um, so basically, a lot of the country shuts down mm -hmm. for everyone to go on holiday. Pretty much, yeah. Sounds so like a good idea to me. It sounds like a wonderful idea. Well, except for, you know, touristy areas, because, of course, that's where that's the busy season for, like, for example, in Brittany. Everything is open, I was going to say 24-7, but no, seven days a week, uh, which is yeah. already pretty big in France. That really happens. Um, so it's really the, the metropolitan areas and the immediate suburbs is yeah. where, except the metropolitan areas where tourists hang out, there might be a little more. Mm -hmm. be interesting to know if, like, 20 years ago, if that was even those closed down too you know i know yeah. you wouldn't know but um th the reason she and i were talking about this and i told her a story about maybe about 15 years ago about talking to a meeting planner and they'd gotten all these great rates for their meeting and and i think it was france i don't think it was another part of europe and you know they got over there and everything was closed i mean their hotel was open they could do the meeting but everything else restaurants um shops everything and this is of course why they got the really mm -hmm. good hotel rate but they didn't know because most of us in the u.s don't know that the you know it closes down for a month basically so it's just something to be i remember being told this is something you need to think about when you plan meetings in a lot of europe and i think you know a lot of areas i i'm guessing every country or areas of certain countries because i remember going to Where was I? Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And it turned out it was Easter week. That's not mm. why we were down there. Well, they close everything. They close everything. Everyone is off. Work is off. Schools are closed starting with, um, I guess it was the week before, like the Friday before Palm Sunday. And so everyone's off for like 10 days. And um, we didn't know that. Uh, we were going down for a destination wedding and um, got down there. I mean, fortunately, we were at, you know, a beautiful resort. The wedding was at another beautiful resort. We weren't really affected. But to find out, no, nope, that's closed. Nope, mm -hmm. that's closed. Didn't affect us. But, boy, it had to have affected a lot of people. It just really did. And, and I remember certain things in uh, Thailand, them telling me certain times of the years where, that's it. It's closed. I mean, when they say it's a, a national holiday, it's a national, national holiday. holiday. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not like, oh, yeah, and if you go at 6 a.m., you can get great sales at the store. It's actually a holiday. You know, nothing gets opened. Um, so I, I think that's just something for people to be aware of, mm -hmm. whether they're personally traveling or they're setting up a meeting. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, anything else you can think of that you want to share from that angle? Let me see. In my little notes. I think we pretty much hit everything that I thought about. Sounds exciting to me. I'm ready to jump on Air France. <laughs> and go it's over. It's airline. <laughs> oui, oui. Yeah, it's, got, it's got a good reputation, that's for sure. And I was just so curious. I'm always curious to compare airlines that are not from the United States. You know, when mm -hmm. I started flying to Thailand and, and ha you know, 
flew Air Nippon. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, such a totally different experience. And, of course, U.S. was very much in the minority on it, which was wonderful, actually, if you're <laughs> going to take a gazillion-hour flight, you know, nice to, to only, you know. And it, it was just the flight attendants and just the care, like you said, you know, they – they had different colored aprons for different things and how they handled the food. And, and it was just like, huh, but this is how it was in the U.S. at some point. But, you know, we've driven it to what's a cheap ticket, and that's the most important thing. Uh, but just we'll see. Um, some things I wanted to share kind of tagged on with this is a recent report came out by um, Freeman, uh, they paired with a, a company that most of us would not know their name that is uh, experts in, in tracking and collecting uh, data, collecting and tracking data, whatever, um, on things like disease and everything. And they produced a report. It's out in many of the publications. You can find the link to it uh, um, or a summary of it, which is probably better to read about the safety of um, being at in-person events. And, and basically what the report came to be, and I guess this isn't truly a surprise, is in a controlled environment, you know, face-to-face -face events um, are safer, they said, even than going to the grocery store, going shopping, you know, anything like that. Because, of course, they're not checking your vaccine status when you mm -hmm. go into a store, but they are at a lot of... And they were saying, again, controlled events. So these would be the events that are asking, similar to what Pauline just said, for proof of vaccine or test or whatever. Um, I believe that. I know why they're doing it. I understand. Do I think it's going to make a huge difference in what happens in the next six months? No. Or next four months? Um I really don't because we're going to run into the problem with, uh, you know, a lot of things. Again, the travel itself, the, you know, people just being overall scared. You know, yeah. as we were watching these numbers skyrocket um, this morning, I, what did the, I say it said? There were 400 million cases total now in the U.S. and 4 million have been in the past four weeks. And, you know, uh, struggling with the Delta variant and now the other variant, which I'm going to pronounce mu. I, uh, it's a Greek letter. And, yeah, well, you saw how well I translated Charles de Gaulle. So, um, but there's going to be a lot going on the next uh, few months um, again. And I, I, I'm sure that's not a surprise to any of you. We're watching things get canceled. One of the ones last week was, you know, the NRA canceled their big annual convention in Texas, which I just thought was ironic on a gazillion different levels. But, um, you know, for any association, no matter how you feel about the NRA or others, you know, for any association to cancel their annual meeting is huge mm -hmm. because that is their uh, one of their primary revenue generators. And the fact that they chose it was going to be held in Texas and it was canceled – um, just adds other uh, dimensions. Um, Fancy Food Show, which is a huge show in New York City, um, put on by the Specialty Food Association that uh, brings in somewhere around 25,000 people into the city and held at Javits. They closed it. They, um, uh, they actually are taking the exhibit online it might have been going to be, for, uh, you know, uh, hybrid for that anyway, but they've canceled the in-person. And Fancy Food Show, uh, because I actually worked for a gourmet food store at one point when I lived in New Jersey, and that's how I learned what the Fancy Food Store was. It's where people who own, you know, gourmet food stores and everything, they go and they look for new products that are coming up to sell or serve in their restaurants or pack in the gift boxes or whatever it would be. It's a really, really big deal. It brings in people worldwide. Um for both, so for it to be canceled is is a a really big deal. Uh, there's something which I had never heard of called BravoCon, which is uh, a big. Did you know about this? Yeah, uh, I was ashamed of it. You watch Bravo, I take it then. Yeah. Uh, so Bravo, the TV station, it, can it be called a TV station? Anyway, Bravo has its own convention, 
apparently with all you know it's celebrities and it shows and so it's fans can come um that got canceled in the past week or 10 days and it wasn't going to even be till mid-october and it brings in about ten thousand people um we're seeing the cancellations and a lot of things go online oh back to the fancy food show for a minute uh, I know Steve's over there thinking, "Wow, if they Steve took the great. if they took their uh, exhibit hall online, the tax implications." Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't know about that, go listen to the tax podcast um, about how if you're doing an online trade show, it has significant tax uh, implications. But I'm watching people. Also, uh, meeting planners, you know, it, it's really weird. I've had so many conversations in the past couple of weeks with, um, you know, planners where uh, a city changed their requirements. Mm-hmm. And so then there was talk about moving it out of that city to another city, and it was only like a week away. You've got to be reading the news. If you have meetings scheduled face-to-face in the next couple months, you need to track what that city and state is doing. It, it, yes, it is your job. If you're the meeting planner, you really need to know this. Uh, so if you do need to, you know, go to someplace else, you have as much time as possible. Plus, you can take it to your stakeholders and say, we need to be aware of this. Um, saw, you know, uh, talked to someone where their organization had a one outside, an incentive, big incentive program outside of the United States, moved it to an in uh, the United States uh, location and it still ended up getting canceled because that state ended up changing its requirements like after people were already on site um, you know we've we've got to be aware of this we have to be on top of it um, there was something else and of course did I write it down I had it a minute ago and then I did uh, that you know we've got to be aware of this I think you need to be ready if you're having any kind of face-to-face meeting to I'm not going to use that P word. I hate that P word. Um, But you need to be ready to change it to a virtual meeting or be willing to to cancel it. In the next couple of months, we are going to be seeing this. It it shouldn't be a surprise to you as you watch the numbers going up. And, um, you know, as as Pauline said, the the islands for France are short beds. We've got places throughout the United States. There's places – Around the world, we're seeing our status change going into other countries. Other countries' status is changing coming into ours. Um, and different states are, are doing different things. There was another one I was going to tell you. Shoot, I forget what it was. Um, but anyway, uh, just be looking ahead. Assume right now that the next... Again, it's the first week of September. I'd say through November, December... We're going into a, a a different version of last year. In some ways, it will be better. We're more prepared. We know what to do. Um, in some ways, it could potentially be worse for for things. Probably a lot of us aren't directly involved in um, in terms of the medical world, but you got to be ready. Um, and let's hope by next year we will be able to to say things are are good shoot there were two bunch of many points but i'm not gonna remember them now so miss pauline anything you would like to share about anything that we didn't talk about not that i can think of okay and stg over there steve the great she always hesitates because she never knows what i'm gonna say but y'all tell mom and them listen up (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea where he's coming up with we'll that We'll leave one. the light on for you. So, no, that's a hotel. Was Without a hotel. meeting space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they use that tagline anymore, that hotel. Most of them wouldn't even know that was a hotel tagline a million years ago. Um, anyway, so thank you. Hopefully, I'm sure you found things that Pauline shared with us a lot. We have not been on an airplane since we got back on March 17th of 2020. Our choice, not saying you shouldn't, um, just, you know, uh, for a variety of reasons, we felt the the first 15, actually, we thought we were going to travel this past summer, and it, it didn't work out, um, and now we figure it's probably going to be another six months before uh, we're on airplanes, but, um, you know, just 
be informed, make the best decisions, and we need to remember that uh, this industry is really not going to come back the way we think it will for a long time. And the sooner w everyone does what they need to do to make this better, um, the sooner people will be back to work and going to face-to-face -face meetings. So hope that uh, is something to keep in mind. So Pauline, thank you very much for sharing all about your trip. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, Steve, thanks for being here. Oh, and in fact, uh, it doesn't really matter because by the time you hear it, it won't matter. But it's Steve's birthday today. It uh, is. <laughs> 39. Happy birthday, Steve. Well, thank you. <laughs> Good being 39. Mm, you remember that? That was yeah. a long no, time ago. Not, not really. <laughs> Been a few years. Yeah, that's, I'm not sure. I didn't know Steve when he was 39, so he didn't know me when I was 39. So, um, But yes, so happy birthday, Steve. Thanks for spending it today in here with us. And we appreciate you listening, as always. And uh, thank you so much. And hope you find it interesting, entertaining. Um, things coming up uh, soon. Keep an eye out for whenever the upcoming class is. I know you'll all be listening to this at different times. For those of you who have taken my class before, don't forget the take again option. And for those of you who know anyone who may be considering doing their CMP, I hope you uh, choose to check out what um, the class schedule is and everything. Uh, probably a couple other things, but we won't talk about those right now. Thanks so much. Look forward to uh, being with you on the next episode. Take care.